What's going on, friends? This is Roomies and Movies number 114. That's right, 114 episodes of Random. I'm Ox. That over there is Luke. And we're going to be telling you about the latest and greatest you should be watching, stuff you should avoid. Um, this week we got the next episode of Doom Patrol. Now there's two episodes left of that. Um, for the best and worst list, we got Pulp Fiction and House of the Dead. Um, I watched 12 Monkeys and Dark Crystal, the one from the 90s, 80s, something were in there. Uh, and then we got five episodes of Jessica Jones, season three, and The Boys, season one from Amazon Prime. Uh, was there anything else that you got added to the list? Are you telling me that you didn't watch Carnival Row, even though you told me to? Uh, I couldn't remember if I told you this week or next week, but no, I did not. You definitely told me, and I definitely watched half of that show. Son of a bitch. Is that ten episodes, too? Uh, eight. Or eight, yeah. Yeah. Well, damn. Uh, yeah, I definitely didn't get, uh, any of it watched. Fucking fool. Is it worth it? Is it great? I don't know, is it? We'll find out next week. (laughs) <laughs> you did, did you see anything theatrically though nope i did not want to leave the apartment this weekend so i did not that's fair um i think i'll probably be going uh to make city to catch a farewell tomorrow um other than that i think we got it next weekend right yep. is that it it is so then we got a bunch of shows on top of that that's fair that'll work um so, did you rewatch uh, Twelve Monkeys? No, I forgot about it because I was watching Carnival Row. That's fair. Um, I wouldn't. Okay, so I was texting Luke last week after the show because I went and saw uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again, and I'm still just captivated by Brad Pitt's on-screen presence. And he told me to watch Twelve Monkeys, and I was like, I'm totally in. So rewatch or watched it for the first time actually, and I wouldn't say it's a Brad Pitt centric, but he does quite the role in that show for or movie for sure. Well, no, it's because when we were talking about Once Upon a Time when it came out, I said that Pitt works better as a supporting character, and that's mm-hmm. very much him in a supporting character role, where he's a mm-hmm. crazed militant rich boy. Uh, it also just like that. The scenes that went with him is what I was expecting so much from um, One Flew Out of the Cuckoo's Nest. And, like, I think uh, Bruce Willis captivates that uh, insanity charm better than Nicholson did. Like, he doesn't know if he is actually being driven crazy. And, like, everybody around Bruce Willis is absolutely telling him that he's going crazy and he starts to believe it. And, like... That whole movie is just nuts, so. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty uh, good. Did you ever watch any of the sci-fi series? No, I heard it's good, but I was like, why do I need more of this? Like, I, they told the story, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd be interested to see what it was like just because I think they had four seasons. Probably. Yeah, it's the four. same as, like, it's the same as, like, that Snowpiercer show. It's like, why? You told the story. Mm. You were going to tell. True, true. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's just cool. Uh, considering this was what ninety four, I think it was. Yeah, I um, don't know. 
I'm pretty sure it was 94. Um, but they did a great job of building this apocalyptic-esque future, um, considering it all unraveled within a couple of years of when it was shot. Quote unquote, from the from the standpoint of the movie, um, but I thought it was cool. Like, tell me you wouldn't want a giant plastic suit to just come around the city with? No, absolutely not. <laughs> like, I am the first moment we're in a post-apocalyptic world. I'm eating them all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I thought all the imagery was great. The storytelling was awesome. Um, when you get about midway point, you see where it diverges, and like you see what's happening, and we're chasing this false lead, basically. Um, that's why I'd be interested in seeing what the show was about, because considering they didn't have anything to do with uh, per- the virus per se. So, yeah, they were um, just you know left wing militants who wanted to free some monkeys, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, and then. It's just, it's one of those movies that you get a lot of from, like, film in the 90s, and we've been seeing a lot of it going yeah. to the best and worst list of, like, it's a movie that's remen- remembered a lot because of the ending, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, crazy. Uh, and then I caught Dark Crystal because Luke was adamant about not watching it, and I believe we've covered this a couple times, but you were, you're uh, not a fan of, like, the Fraggle Rot rock type puppets right no they're disgusting and they creep me out and they, they should not exist and they shall burn because that's almost 95 percent of all of the dark crystal so um yeah yeah you definitely would not have enjoyed it yeah um, they're all but... fucking creepy and anything that's made out of felt shouldn't look like it's wet and drippy and like fuck that fuck those things <laughs> Uh, I thought it was pretty good um, for not watching it all my childhood. And, like, everybody's been going off about it this weekend considering the Netflix series. Um, I thought it was really well done. Uh, it's really inspiring to see all the different creature designs. Um, when you get introduced to the story, you think there's just going to be, like, three or four, like, creatures. But, like, they just keep throwing creatures at the screen for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um and considering, I think, like, the only other one that's really close to that level of just off-the-wall designs is Guillermo del Toro. Um, Jim Henson was a madman when it comes to all these designs and stuff. Um, I did watch the first episode of this new new season as well. Um, and it's a lot of the same. But we don't get a look at the uh, Mystics which were the yin to the yang of the Skeptis. Um, I I was completely wrong with anything that I thought about the Dark Crystal because I think that overlaps with Labyrinth and um, Never Ending Story. Like, those three movies were kind of all along the same time and kind of has this ethereal feel to them. Um, but yeah, the story, I mean, it tells a good story, whatever, uh, healing this crystal of this ravaged land and, like, it's not Earth, so it's like we don't have any basis of information. But it seems like the show's so much more richer, and it's only taking place like 10 years before the movie did. Or like 10, 20 years before the, the movie did. And like that fucking show is so long winded. Like 
you the movie's an hour and a half, which was reasonable to sit through, but like each episode's an hour and it just feels like all of that for an hour. So it's like do I want to make the commitment to fucking sit through it for 10 hours? Because I have no idea how people are binging it because I'm exhausted after that first episode. Mm, so. Fuck that. Just forget it exists. Puppets are disgusting. <laughs> but I think if you were a fan of it growing up, you'd definitely like the Netflix series because it, it just adds more to that world. So uh, cool shit. Uh, from there. Talking about Doom Patrol, now that we've got Flex Mentello in the mix. Yeah, man, a muscle mystery. Dude, I am such a fan of Flex. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, so good. I hope he. I hope in the show he pulls off his greatest feat when he flexed so hard he turned the Pentagon into a circle. Oh, shit. Yeah, he's not fucking around. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was fun to see him like regain his memories. Um, it was it kind of felt like a filler episode where we, like we get a little bit more from Rita and a little bit more from Larry and the negative guy. Um, but yeah, I, it's still like I'm still not bored of any of these characters, and they just want more of, and more of all of them. So um, yeah, and you get that little, you know he's at the end where he's just like Mr. Nagel, like <laughs> we're done he's like I finally built the team fuck the backstory now we're getting into the battle of good versus evil and it's like oh okay cool that was the most interesting part of the episode because so has he just not had somebody at his level so he's had to systematically build these characters up to where they would be able to take him on possibly is... you know who knows but Man. I would I would not want to fuck around with the man of muscle mystery. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's for damn sure. Um, what a heartbreaking loss when he gets his memories restored by the woman he loved and married, and then she's immediately taken away from him because of something that was implanted in her or something. But yeah, but we got flex, so. On to the next episode, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, we're almost at the end. But Cyborg's fixed, and now he's not hanging out with the crew, though. And I'm kind of disappointed by that. But at the same point, I like the roster's full. And it's like, I do want more Cyborg, but I don't want to lose anybody else that's right in the thick of it right now. So mm, I'm sure we won't. I think this is all about yeah. building up the big team moment. Mm-hmm. So. Right on. Loving it. Uh, fucking get through Doom Patrol. Uh, I'm so glad that we've been doing this episode by episode two because like um, going halfway through the boys and through Jessica Jones, I was like, yeah, there's some stuff you can talk about along the way, but like it's not as rich as Doom Patrol has been. And like even Titans was like binge worthy. Um, probably Swamp Thing too, but like these episodic adventures with Doom Patrol are so fulfilling, like, week to week. I'm like, this is the last thing I want to watch because it's going to be the best of everything, so. And also, Cliff deserves a daytime Emmy. <laughs> Oof. Oh, man. He definitely deserves something. Uh, I'd, oh, give that. Just, I'd give him that. I'd give him it. Oh, that's <laughs> 
that whole fucking scene where Flex is like, the Chiefs, he's not really the Chief, it's his evil twin brother. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I've seen those shows. I know what he's talking about. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's interesting. I think, I hope we get a little bit more between him and Negative Man. Um, Because that was pretty fascinating to like, to just explore Mentalo a little bit more than just this weightlifting guy that can open rifts to wherever. Well, you should should read the Flex Mentalo miniseries then. Nice. Uh, I I think I definitely probably will. Uh, Is that on uh, the universe? I don't know. I own it, so I haven't looked for it. Um, I'll I'll double check, but yeah, I think they have a crazy Labor Day sale too, so I'll uh, check into that if anything tonight. So. Yeah, it's a four-issue mini from Grant Morrison and Frank Wiley, and it's nuts. Like, it's all, like... Because, <laughs> you know, Flex is a take on the old, like, Charles Atlas ads, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you'd see in the back of a comic book, a, buy my book, and you'll become buff, and you'll be the hero of the beach. And it's a play on that. But then Flex realizes he's a comic book character, and he's trapped in this world, and it's this multidimensional thing. And So he kind of realizes he's the guy on the paper? Kinda, yeah, and he's like was created by a kid, and it's, it's pretty fucking nuts, but it's worth it. So, like, is Flex originally from Doom Patrol, and like that's how he was introduced, or was he character prior? Uh, he was introduced in Morrison's Doom Patrol run. Okay, nice. Uh, yeah, so I'm all about fucking learning more about that then. Um, let's dive in the best and worst, and let's start with the worst because you really love House of the Dead. So good. What are you talking about? So <laughs> it's so something. That's for sure. Uh, uh, I'm trying to figure it. out where I want to start with it. No, I didn't mind it. I mean, it was just mindless dribble. Uh, would um, you like to start with the fact that uh, apparently Sega is hosting the biggest rave of the year in some <laughs> abandoned, like just like the, these abandoned Canadian woods, and there's only about twelve people there. The best part about this whole thing is, like, it got maybe 10 minutes in, and I was like, man, I'm going to need a drink for this. So, like, I paused it, went out, and my parents were watching a documentary on the Fire Festival, and I was like, I can't handle this shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, everybody is just, that's completely reasonable that Sega would host anything back then, so... Um, I just love the fact that like it's the biggest rave of the year. We have to get there, and there's maybe 15 people there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, would, ah, hmm. What a ridiculous little movie, for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, it and- does a, a better job of storytelling than fucking Blood Rain two years later, I think. That's what's crazy is like this is so high on the list when it's much better than the last movies that we watched yeah. in Ubols. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't like if we were hanging out and you suggested putting this on, I wouldn't have any arguments. I'd be like, yeah, throw it on. Like this is fine. Um, Come on. What about the, uh, you know, like opening narration when he's like, uh, "We broke up. I needed to study more, and she had to practice fencing for some reason." I'm like, "Oh, I bet that's going to come into play." Oh, yeah. Here, also, fencing duel. She's the worst duelist if she was studying fences. Like, 
the dude that didn't have any training just as good a job and like it's just real bad but entertaining so um we also get the russian from rocky four um this is apparently just driving boats now and running illegal contraband why not what's <laughs> what's nuts like this is like a terrible movie that only idiots watch uh but they have to be like you know what let's uh Let's throw in a reference to Das Boot. Uh, that's what these people want. <laughs> um, I couldn't remember what the the game it was, but like this is the shitty arcade one that's like two player and it's giant and it just has guns, right? Well, you should know what it is because they keep using scenes from the actual video <laughs> game and the movie. And that's that's how I remembered what it, I was like. Oh yeah, it's that fucking shitty arcade game that every arcade had in the nineties. Um, which makes the story even better because it's based on such a shitty game. Um, there's some really uh, irregular transitions for scenes. The fucking scenes, for, actual cutscenes from the games popping in at random. Like, I can't, I just want to watch this with epileptic people and see if they can just sit through the whole thing, it seems. It also because- has what? What might be my favorite thing? The uh the 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 character game over screen when somebody dies. Oh the best. The fucking three sixty shot drift to red. I was like, alright, this is classy. And like they didn't yeah. overuse that because I think they only did it with like three characters, but like um which made you think like the other ones were gonna come back in some game fashion, but they never did. But like yeah. What a what a ridiculously fun mess of a movie. Oh, it's so good. It's a movie that, like, I'll quote, and I'm the only one who gets, <laughs> like, the idea that, like, when they, the bad guy cap, <laughs> when the bad guy's wearing their friend's face, <laughs> it's still, oh. like, it's Spanish robes, <laughs> and uh, he reveals himself, and they're just like, you did this to become immortal. Why? Why would you do this? He's like, to live forever. <laughs> and, like, I lose it every time. <laughs> Uh, that was definitely the best part. Um, they kind of went fucking ham on the 360 shot because, well, no, this would have been five years after uh, fucking Matrix, but damn, were they fucking all about that rig. I feel like fucking a, a formative young Zack Snyder watched this film. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Also, just a ridiculous amount of ammo and like, Nothing was planned out well for anything, considering their plan. No, um, like when they're, <laughs> oh my god, I could have killed the fucking stupid ass. Like when he's like, oh, we got to go through the window so we can open the door and save our friends. And then he's just like mourning the death of the cop, and I was like, your friends are all gonna get murdered out there. <laughs> <laughs> and they're and just like, like you get shredded in half too, and like, well, that's that bitch is definitely dead. <laughs> And then, you know, they're just, like, they're banging on the door, be like, let us in. And, I'm like, we're out of clips. I don't have any more ammo. And fucking Jurgen Prochnow is out there with a fucking machete just mowing all these guys down. And they go in the house, and all of a sudden they pull out, like, 17 more clips. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. It plus, was, it was... plus, there's that scene where it's just like, we need to go to my boat. And the cop and the Greg go off. <laughs> and then the next time you see Greg, he's got a fucking grenade strapped to him. I'm like, where the fuck did he get a grenade? Yeah. 
Yeah, so also, really ridiculous. A really sweet Lord of the Rings reference there when they're running through the woods. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is exactly the movie I'd expect from this game. Um, I feel like it could be revised a little and made a little bit better, but for what it is, uh, it is a hell of a movie. It's something. I Again, no <laughs> bad feelings about the fact that I've watched it twice in theaters. I own it. And this week, when I just was lazy and didn't want to dig through my DVD copy, I just rented it again. I am so upset because I rented it last night to fucking log on or to jump onto Prime to watch Gemstones to see you rented it. I was like, God damn it. See, it's worth it. House of the Dead deserves all that money. You know what? After watching it, I'm not that upset about renting it. Like, had I rented Son of the Mask a couple weeks back, definitely upset. This one, I'll let it slide. Yeah. What's the matter? Don't you spreckens the English? Get off my boat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. When he comes... When he comes in on the girl just topless because her boyfriend puked on her and he's just like, I want to give you this cross. Ugh, so <laughs> uh, when they went skinny dipping, I was like, oh, so this is what this movie is going to be? And like that was the last of it uh, after the cross scene. I was like, well, it is what it is. Uh, I was sad that Liberty didn't make it, but also we learned within the first 10, min- 10 seconds that nobody else made it than the one dude. Yeah, come on when the opening voiceover is just like we were coming out here for the rave of the century and everyone died death and destruction I was like oh this is so good also Also, the bitch that gets stabbed right in the heart and he's like well we're gonna walk off we're gonna walk it off Uh, I definitely made you a mortal zombie whatever but it's fine (laughs) it's fine because he turned out to be the bad guy (gasps) ooh dun 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 um, I love how like nobody played these games outside of like just drunkenly playing them or in an arcade would know that like Curian was the bad guy, so they have to open <laughs> the film with the video game saying that. Mm-hmm. So you get to the end and he's like, "My last name's Curian." Oh no! <laughs> but we talked about this with um, Blood Rain, but like this is basically Ubel's like mo. He gets so much money to make this and just does a dirt poor because he's filming in Europe, right? Uh, somewhere. He, I think Germany because he got, he's, his film career essentially died because Germans didn't give him tax breaks anymore for filming there. Those sons of bitches. But, I mean, honestly, this movie cost $12 million, which isn't a huge amount, but Yeah. Well, I also feel like with half of that, I could make a movie better than this. <laughs> For sure. Um, the house set was pretty cool. Like, them going through it and whatnot. Like, when they get to the back room where, like, the unanimated people are until they break the blood fucking fish tank full. <laughs> and that Stupid fucking karma. Oh, God Dude, damn it, karma. It's, it's completely enclosed in this blood glass vial. I'm gonna shoot it. You, <laughs> you, yeah. Uh, but yeah, not that bad. Um, it gives me hope for the last 10 or so on the list, right? Uh, I think this was like number seven, wasn't it? God, I hope so. (laughs) Reminds me, I didn't check the list this week to see what we actually have. (laughs) 
So jumping from there to Pulp Fiction and Goddamn. Um, which this is probably one of the cringiest of Tarantino's films. Just with all with all the racial slurs that go throughout the movie. Mm, I think you need to understand that that's in all of his movies. Mm, yeah, I, I guess with Django, but I I don't think I noticed it that much with um, Hollywood. It doesn't seem like it's there that much. Yeah, well, it's kind of his thing. He appropriates black language. But, you know, outside of the scene where he casts himself as the guy saying the hard <laughs> N-word a lot... Most of the time, you know, it's Sam Jackson or, you know, a person of color saying it. Yeah, for sure. Um, It was really weird um, rewatching. So, watching 12 Monkeys, they have this little scene that's like um, when Bruce Willis realizes, like, he's watching a movie and he's, like, catching all these things that he never caught before. I was like, that's how I felt watching Pulp Fiction. Like, there's there's these little things that I caught along the way. Um, that just enriched it a little bit more. Um, this has always been one of my favorite Tarantino movies. Uh, it's definitely sliding on the scale the more Tarantino makes. Um, I would have to say it's probably bottom half at this point. Uh, just uh, with... you're wrong, but okay. Well, I mean, if you take nine films and you count Kill Bill as two. In Glorious you Bastards and Hollywood. Like, it's right in the middle of them, so, for me, so. Um, whatever. You're wrong. Fucking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's not as good as that. Jesus. I'm not saying it's as good as it, but it's, I definitely appreciate it. You just said it. it's better. Listen, I personally appreciate it more than I do Pulp Fiction. But, I mean, I've lived with Pulp Fiction for the last decade, so... Hollywood's just something new and pretty and a lot more Brad Pitt, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Oh, Sam Jackson's so fucking good in this movie. No, absolutely. And, like, this is, like, his pivotal, like, defining role that he had. Like, um, this is the one that made me, like, if Sam Jackson's in it, I'm definitely seeing it because, of, like, he was so good in Pulp Fiction. Um, I love the storytelling. This is, like, the first time we get that look of the the cut up version uh, and like he tells stories in, in non-linear fashion um, well he did that in Reservoir Dogs too oh yeah um, but I think it was much more noticeable considering it would jump scene to scene rather than just staying in the same area for sure uh, actually I think I saw this one before I saw Reservoir Dogs so um, for me it was definitely pretty formative on my storytelling aspect and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I love how it transitions and I don't think I actually had the timeline together well until this viewing. Um, when Bruce Willis shows up and shoots Vincent and like that happens after the date that we see three scenes before and like, um, yeah, she's really well constructed and, it's interesting to see how this was all pulled together. And yeah. I keep, I like every time I hear mention of Pulp Fiction, I completely forget Bruce Willis is in the movie until well, his that... scene pops up. And I'm like, oh yeah, 
Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah, and that's because that's the weakest of the three stories. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's the one that, like, remember after Pulp Fiction and, like, fucking Tarantino-esque crime stories where, like, the everyone was imitating it and you got all these terrible knockoffs and you got fucking shit-ass boondock saints and stuff. Like, that middle part, Bruce Willis's story, feels like the best Tarantino intimate, it, like, cover. You know, like somebody trying to do Tarantino, but it's not quite there. Yeah, it's yeah. just like the story's fine, but it like it weaves into like sexual assault and over the top violence for no real reason. And it just kind of seems like it's there to shock. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just a really uh, fascinating film, and I'm sure you, everyone listening, has seen it because it's hard to run into anybody that hasn't. Um, but yeah, really fucking yeah, like when you know, because Once Upon a Time came out, and I've been talking to some other of my movie friends and stuff, and we're kind of talking Tarantino and stuff, and I was like, well, he's made four great movies, but one of them I never have to see again, and that's Pulp Fiction. And then I watched it, and I was like, that's false. I I could watch this anytime. Yeah, yeah, like. Oh my god, that first like hour is just so fucking cool. Like it just drips cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the epitome of this badass henchman. Like I can't think of anything else where we just fall in love with henchmen, um, like this movie. Uh, and like the one thing I really picked up on was the dialogue between the characters, and like none of them give a straight answer they always answer to get more information from the previous person like it's such a ridiculous way to go about dialogue and like i can see how that lengthens lengthens like all his scenes uh with dialogue and everything like that so um just cool like picking up on those little things after seeing this a dozen times already but yeah really cool stuff Um, I don't think we have anything else to add that hasn't been said about Pulp Fiction, but yeah, really great movie. Um, just so good. And the reason yeah, I love Tanto. So, um, jumping from there, uh, let's talk Jessica Jones then, because you watched one episode prior to this, right? Yes, I I had watched the first episode. Uh, what'd you think of these first five then? I honestly don't remember if I watched five or six or I don't even fucking remember. Uh, <laughs> it's a thing. Like, talk about a show that's just gone downhill in quality, like precipitously from that first season. Really? I thought this was better than season two. So far. Oh, it is probably, but like, uh, it's not good. It, it's really funny to see how much I don't care about these characters, but also intrigued by the story they're telling. Oh, man. Dude, once we got to, like, Jerry's law office (laughs) and and upheaval because a man killed himself and blamed it on her, I was like, this is dumb, and I hate everything about this. Um, Yeah, but it, like... For being Jessica Jones' show, we don't see very much of Jessica for a lot of it. 
Um, yeah, it seems like it's like we want to see these ancillary characters and how being around Jessica has changed them and how they've changed her and hers is more a net positive versus their going downward. Yeah. You know, you see it in Malcolm and in um, Trish that they are going down the wrong path due to Jessica's influence where she's kind of gotten better and just becoming more heroic and more stable because of what they imparted upon her. And it's this weird, like, codependency thing where these characters can't exist on the same level. One always has to be higher than the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm digging it um, for being five episodes in. Uh, I liked how it did the first couple episodes where you follow Jessica for that first episode and then you follow Trish and see what the hell she's been up to um, before they converge on each other. Um, for the end of both episodes and to see where they are and where they've been um, is cool. But then again, I still, I just don't care about the characters themselves. Um, even Jessica Jones is like, she's playing the same note. She's been through, through all the points we've seen or even defenders. Like she's just this character that doesn't care and is like looking for a paycheck so she can get in the next bottle. Um, well, I think actually she's doing more this season, but I think it's again a hindrance that she's not the focal point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think there's a lot to say about like that she might be this strong, but she's not invulnerable, and you know she's been attacked and she's weakened and down. You know, it's not a position we've seen her in. We've mm-hmm. seen her not in control of her actions, but to actually see her physically laid down. Yeah, and as much as I hate the fucking the trope they're going in with like the, the super smart serial killer who's always one step ahead, you know, you get that kind of, she's also not as she's always been, had her brain regardless mm-hmm. of her powers. She always was a step ahead and she was good at the PI job and she knew what she was doing and could run the ground ground game. But like this guy is always one step ahead of her. Yeah. Um, which like, is- by the time that like, she set a tripwire and a fucking tanker. I was like, oh my God, what is going on? This is so dumb. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like we lost her smarts in season two and like we're kind of clawing back to where she was in season one with her smarts. But um, yeah, that, that shit's just not interesting because we know she's a better character than they're giving her credit for. And that kind of sucks, but at the same point, it's not hard to see why they these Marvel shows didn't pick up after now, and like this this will be the last we see of them. So. Um, also, there was something else I was gonna throw out, um, but now I can't fucking think of it. Well, fucking think of it. <laughs> um, I got nothing. It's it's gone. Um, there, there was an interesting dynamic when she does get stabbed. Um, you're like, oh man, they were really thinking, or they, they were following her and they know her vulnerabilities and whatnot. And like, just completely sidetracks that like, oh, nope, they were going to try to stab that other person, but it's, they messed up and got the wrong person, but she's a super, so she survived it somehow. Um, which is super annoying once they reveal who stabbed her and he's this goddamn criminal mastermind. <laughs> you, know, uh, like, at, you know, like 
two episodes later, he's broken into the actual guy who he was trying to kill's house, subdues him, and then takes him to a place and is trying to psychologically break him. And you're like, but he randomly followed her, followed him to oh, his bar hookup and accidentally stabbed her. <laughs> that's definitely the second or the sixth episode because I only got to the part where he subdues her in the apartment. Like that's the end of fifth episode. I must watch six then. Fucking spoilers, bitch. Um, but then also, I'm the shit they're telling with Jerry doesn't have any effect on anything, and like it's just there for the hell of it. Um, but also, it's semi interesting to no, see. No, it is not. You take that back. Um, I'm not choosing my words appropriately. Um, I guess if it's going to be there, I'm glad it's this this way. Um, and she's basically showing that she doesn't necessarily care for people. She just wants the Lord power over them. And like when she asked that lady if she's going to leave or like when she finds out that there's no way they're going to divorce and like they have an open relationship, she's like, oh, this is some shit. I'll not have that power over you. And this is some fucking bullshit. Even though like none of that played a key to her like all the things that she led up to that point. And it's like, well, this is kind of lame. <laughs> and then like, yeah, it just but, drops off the face. But we already got that from Jerry's character in the first season where she tried to use a psychotic uh, uh, serial killer who had complete mental control over people to get her wife to sign divorce papers. You know, like she's always been that terrible character. They're just trying to soften it with, Whatever she has, Lou Gehrig's disease or whatever, ALS yeah, or whatever ALS, she fucking has. ALS, yeah. Um, and you get that really weird fucking scene where she calls Jessica over and she's like, I'd like you to kill me, please. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, it's it's become a real mess for sure. Um, but we only got five episodes to go. Um, they've done the last. No, we don't. What are you talking about? It's a 13 episode season. Shut the fuck up. No, I think that's why I watched six. <laughs> well, that's a son of a bitch. I was expecting five more. Because um, didn't we get the last season of Punisher already? And like we just skipped it? Yeah, but I didn't watch it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is the last time we see these. Fuck. I did not expect us to have to fucking eight more episodes. Damn it. <laughs> well, that's a real piss ant. Because that's why, like, I think I was like, am I going to watch six or seven? Where's the halfway point? And I got to six, and I was like, this is the halfway point. I need to stop. <laughs> well, son of a bitch. Because I was like, mm, you can tell a decent story in five more episodes, but, like, eight more episodes? Mm, it's going to go off the rails real fucking quick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We're going to have to, we have to defeat the bad guy. And then Trish is going to have to go bad. And then she's going to have to break up with this new boy. And it's all going to be terrible. Son of a bitch. So that's what to look forward to for next week. <laughs> um, going from there to The Boys, which is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, you into that? Damn, I'm so in. Uh, I didn't realize The Boys they were talking about was the little group of ruffians. Like, we're following. I figured it was, the boys was the group of superheroes. Um, but that just clicked. As I spoiled myself, I guess, 
because I got the uh, first volume ready for next week to read, and it shows the the fifth Spice Girl, <laughs> as they so described. It does, but the show is diverging quite a bit from actually from the book. Like I, I don't know if I want to spoil anything if you're going to read the book. Yeah, but... yeah, don't, don't spoil anything because we'll we'll hit it up next week for sure. Um, but I. From all the advertising, I figured Dread was going to be a superhero, and like he was the main just asshole uh, superhero. And nope, he's just a regular guy that's an asshole, and I love it. <laughs> but fucking A Train going through the wood bits, like that shit was nuts. <laughs> okay. There's that. I think the scene that got me more when I was just like, oh, they're they're really gonna do this uh, was when fucking uh, A-Train's girlfriend like crushes her landlord's head while she's sitting on his face. I was like, oh shit. The show's kind of going there. Does she have spikes in her ass? No, I think she just like crushed him because almost all of them have super strength, you know? Okay, I I couldn't tell if uh, she had like spikes that came out uh, during that time or not, but uh yeah, it's cool to see all these different characters they're working with. Um, uh, the Deep's perfect as just the person that nobody cares about, and he really just leans into that with the way he acts. Obviously, the first time him and uh, Starlight meet um, was a really awkward scene. I'm sure that's in the the books. Um, it's weird seeing these superheroes in this lifestyle, I feel like this is a very evolved form from where we we have in the MCU. Uh, like, not evolved form, but a more filled out form. Uh, like, we see a little bit of that in uh, Ultron, where, like, Stark has set up this task force to, like, fix everything that they destroy and whatnot. Um, and it feels very much like that. Like, these these seven superheroes are, like, heralded above everybody else but you have this corporation that kind of runs the chains for them um yeah it's it's far more prescient than it was when the book came out when you think of it's the whole idea of these are superheroes but they're commodity they're they're bought and sold and traded and it's all about the bottom line how much money can a corporation make off them as you watch disney turn all these characters into (laughs) franchises and only be able to do these kind of things with them yeah, that's probably the more frightening part is how realistic this seems at this point. Um, none of the boys have superpowers, right? Excuse me. I right. I I don't. Okay, yeah. Don't don't spoil that. Um, I'm guessing somebody. Does, well, like the one girl is. It, has been tested on with the compound V, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, so all it all I'll say is a book. It ran for like sixty issues or something. Um, how would, in terms of a comic book and how a comic book works, how would these characters be able to fight against all these heroes for sixty issues if they didn't have powers? Hmm. I'm I'm really just 
wanting a butcher versus home home work homelander home, homelander face off and considering homelander's essentially superman uh it's hard to see that coming up but it seems like they've faced off each other uh before or know oh. each other so. There's uh, there's definitely an underlining of this is personal to Butcher, you know, like he okay. seems to be much more into it than the other guys, except for Huey. I think I think Huey wants it to be personal, but he's too scared to yeah. go that far. Um, also, just the sad thing that's not in the show, but it was kind of hinted at in the last episode was, God damn it, Butcher has a bulldog named Tear that should always be there. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I saw that bulldog. I was like, oh, that's why the dog said, oh, why don't we get them? I want more of him. Yeah. Like, yeah, but in a slight spoiler alert, <laughs> in the book, the dog has superpowers and Butcher like makes him fuck people to death. I think that was the most interesting part is, well, not interesting, but like the part that really brought me into the show is like these fuck ups are, have cornered one of these superheroes, Translucent, and they're trying to figure a way to kill him because like, obviously they can't release him because he can easily come after them. But like, also it's the point where they're trying not to get caught from the other superheroes and like all the shit's going down. So, um, like there's so many layers that intrigue me about this show and like, it's already been picked up for a season two, isn't it? It has. Yeah. Nice. Um, I was very upset to see that there were only eight episodes getting this far. I was like, fuck, this is so good. Um, yeah. there's a lot I like in there. I like, the fact that there's nods to the book enough, like, uh, I mean, you'll probably get there when you read it, but uh, in the book, Huey was based on Simon Pegg. They drew him just like Simon nice. Pegg. Now, Pegg's obviously too old to play that role, so he plays Huey's dad. You know, it's like a great little <laughs> point for people to know the book. That's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I'm loving the uh, commercial side of these heroes. Uh, obviously, Homelander's hung up on uh, the one chick ahead of the corporation, whatever. Um, and like when he fucking cut the plane in half, I was like, oh, "Shit, he's he's this is Brightburn. <laughs> he got the Brightburn villain." Um, I love the like. I think it's in episode four when he's just like, "Well, pilot's dead. Uh, let's fucking leave. All these people are dead." Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then like. like we gotta go. <laughs> but yeah, and when the people are like, no, save us. And he's like, I'll fucking laser you in half. Get the fuck away. And you're just like, you realize how awful this person is. Yeah. But also yeah. how me- how manipulative he is. He still gets the end goal that they want, you know, of like saying, oh, the plan was to save them and then to show that why we should be in the military. But instead, it's like, we didn't save them because they wouldn't let us in the military. So that's the talking point. Like, he's so calculating about everything that he does and it's it's a detriment his charismaticness like uh we get in the second episode i think it is where like they're going through the the uh hangout for all these supers i guess it's the first episode but like they're like homelander is the only one that doesn't 
come here because he doesn't drink and he doesn't smoke and all this other like he's a good at shoes. Um, but yeah, it's really really fucking fascinating. I'm really excited to dig into the first volume and finish up this series for sure. So yeah, the the book's interesting. Uh, I I really like Ennis as a writer, but like he can go too far with the juvenile stuff and he does that a lot in the boys well i mean he did preacher too right yes he did and preacher is a goddamn masterpiece well i'm just thinking of the uh ass face so it's not very surprising when you say that but uh yeah if if he writes these characters and like it's that close to the book like i'm totally interested to see Read more of a. Has he only done the boys in preacher then? God no. Ennis has been writing okay. for like thirty-five years, forty years. He's done most known preacher. He did the boys. He did a phenomenal run on Punisher. Uh, he did a very seminal run on Hellblazer. Like he's done a ton. Nice. But uh, the thing yeah. is, like, and you'll notice when you read the book, he hates superheroes. <laughs> I'm only more intrigued and ready to get into the book right now. Um, so fuck yeah, let's. Uh, I think that's all we got for this show. Unless you got more. Nah, I'm surprised we'll we got 15 minutes. Yeah, uh, so we'll be reading the first volume of the boys. I'm I'm sure you've read it a couple times, so you don't need to. But um, finishing up the boys, finishing up Jessica Jones. Um, it theatrically, I'm going to try catching farewell tomorrow. Um, I don't know if you'll get a chance to catch farewell. No, cause you um, fucked me. Listen, you fucked yourself. <laughs> um, Doom Patrol, uh, Titans comes back. Um, do you have best and worst list then? Yeah, I'll get it back to you. I'm sure there's something. Okay. okay. Uh, and then we'll check out the first five of Carnival Row, or four of Carnival Row. Sure. So. Seems I already watched that. Yeah, since you don't have to worry about it. But, uh, goddamn, Goggins and fucking Gemstones last night was perfect. <laughs> yes, Goggins is great. There was also a ton more penis than I was expecting. Uh, also, yeah, uh, fucking Goodman brought the thunder. Yeah, he did. Quite literally. <laughs> So yeah, check out all that stuff and we'll catch you next week for all that in our wrap up of the boys as well. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. So we'll, uh, I'm probably going to rewatch the original or the one, two years ago. So just to get a refresher, but I'm pretty fucking excited to see Hater again. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, watch all that stuff. And we'll bring that all to your doorstep next week for random number 115. Peace, pineapple, all that good stuff. Later.